Our New Testament lesson today may seem to be a surprising one for you. Not often, perhaps, have you heard the story of the judgment at the last days on the Sunday after Christmas. But I've chosen it intentionally. So I challenge you to hear the word of God as it is written in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just you, you did not do it to one of the least of these. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's here. Presents opened, dishes done, returns made, maybe. Thank you cards begun, routines returning to normal. Another Christmas is in the books. Joy and hope fill us to overflowing. And we're willing to give life a chance again. Together we attempted to resist the commercialism that threatens to overcome our celebration. And on Christmas Eve, here in this sanctuary just a few nights ago, we experienced a commercial of the best kind, a witness to the mystery and love of God with us. So now what? 
Are things really any different? Have we really been transformed by the coming of the Christ child? And do we really believe that the world has been and will continue to be changed by the powerful love of God made known in human flesh? When I was little, I used to wonder why the church always asked Jesus to come again and again since we already knew that he had already come. Did we really believe that what happened when Jesus, believe what happened when Jesus was born? Or did our request mean that it hadn't really happened? What difference does Christmas really make? I thought about these questions recently as I listened to the story of Papa Panoff's special Christmas by Leo Tolstoy was read to us one evening on the riverboat cruise that I got to take in early uh, December to see the Christkindl markets in Austria and Germany. Tolstoy, a Russian writer and widely regarded as among the greatest of novelists, essayists, dramatists, and educational reformers of the aristocratic Tolstoy family, translated the tale originally written in French by Ruben Salien. Listen for the good news and the wisdom expressed in this special story. It was Christmas Eve, and although it was still afternoon, lights had begun to appear in the shops and the houses of the little Russian village, for the short winter day was nearly over. Excited children scurried indoors, and now only muffled sounds of chatter and laughter escaped from closed shutters. Old Papa Panov, the village shoemaker, stepped outside his shop to make, take one last look around. The sounds of happiness, the bright signs and the faint but delicious smells of Christmas cooking reminded him of past Christmas times when his wife had still been alive and his own children little. Now they had gone his usual cheerful face, with the little laughter wrinkles behind the round steel spectacles, looked sad now. But he went back indoors with a firm step, put up the shutters, and set a pot of coffee to heat on the charcoal stove. Then, with a sigh, he settled into his big armchair. Papa Panov did not often read, but tonight he pulled down the big old family Bible and slowly tracing the lines with one forefinger, he read again the Christmas story. He read how Mary and Joseph, tired by their journey to Bethlehem, found no room for them in the inn, so that Mary's little baby was born in the cowshed. Oh dear, oh dear, exclaimed Papa Panoff, if only they had come here, I would have given them my bed, and I could have covered the baby with my patchwork quilt to keep him warm. He read on about the wise men who had come to see baby Jesus, bringing him splendid gifts. Papa Panov's face fell. I have no gift that I could give him, he thought sadly. Then his face brightened. He put down the Bible, got up and stretched his long arms to the shelf high up above his little room. He took down a small dusty box and opened it. Inside 
was a perfect pair of tiny leather shoes. Papa Panoff smiled with satisfaction. Yes, they were as good as he remembered. The best shoes he'd ever made. I should give him those, he decided, as he gently put them away and sat down again. He was feeling tired now, and the further he read, the sleepier he became. The print began to dance before his eyes so that he closed them just for a minute. In no time at all, Papa Panov was fast asleep. And as he slept, he dreamed. He dreamed that someone was in his room, and he knew at once, as one does in dreams, who that person was. It was Jesus. You've been wishing that you could see me, Papa Panov, he said kindly. Then look for me tomorrow. It will be Christmas Day, and I will visit you. But look carefully, for I shall not tell you who I am. When at last Papa Panov awoke, the bells were ringing out, and a thin light was filtering through the shutters. Bless my soul, said Papa Panov. It's Christmas Day. He stood up and stretched himself, for he was rather stiff. Then his face filled with happiness as he remembered his dream. This would be a very special Christmas after all. For Jesus was coming to visit him. How would he look? Would he be a little baby, just as on that first Christmas? Would he be a grown man, a carpenter, or the great king that he is, God's son? He must watch carefully the whole day through so that he recognized him however he came. Papa Panov put on a special pot of coffee for his Christmas breakfast, took down the shutters, and looked out of the window. The street was deserted, no one stirring yet, no one except the road sweeper. He looked as miserable and dirty as ever, and well, he might be. Whoever wanted to work on Christmas Day, and in the raw, cold, and bitter freezing mist of such a morning, Papa Panov opened the shop door, letting in a thin stream of cold air. Come in, he shouted across the street cheerily. Come in and have some hot coffee to keep out the cold. The sweeper looked up, scarcely able to believe his ears. He was only too glad to put down his broom and come into the warm room. His old clothes steamed gently in the heat and he clasped both red hands around the comforting warm mug as he drank. Papa Panov watched him with satisfaction, but every now and then his eyes strayed to the window. It would never do to miss his special visitor. Expecting someone, the sweeper asked at last. So Papa Panov told him about his dream. Well, I hope he comes, the sweeper said. You've given me a bit of Christmas cheer I never expected to have. I'd say you deserve to have your Christmas wish come true. And he actually smiled. When he'd gone, Papa Panov put on cabbage soup for his dinner. Then he went to the door again, scanning the street. He saw no one, but he was mistaken. Someone was coming. The girl walked so slowly and quietly hugging the walls of shops and houses, that it was a while before he noticed her. She looked very tired, and she was carrying something. 
As she drew nearer, he could see that it was a baby, wrapped in a thin shawl. There was such sadness in her face and the pinched little face of the baby that Papa Panov's heart went out to them. Won't you come in, he called, stepping aside to meet them. You both need to be warm by the fire and to rest. The young mother let him shepherd her indoors and to the comfort of the armchair. She gave a big sigh of relief. I'll warm some milk for the baby, Papa Panov said. I've had children of my own. I can feed her for you. He took the milk from the stove and carefully fed the baby from a spoon, warming her tiny feet by the stove at the same time. She needs shoes, the cobbler said. But the girl replied, I can't afford shoes. I've got no husband to bring home money. I'm on my way to the next village to get work. A sudden thought flashed through Papa Panov's mind. He remembered the little shoes he'd looked at last night, but he'd been keeping those for Jesus. He looked again at the cold little feet and made up his mind. Try these on her, he said, handing the the baby and the shoes to the mother. The beautiful little shoes were a perfect fit. The girl smiled happily and the baby gurgled with pleasure. You've been so kind to us, the girl said when she got up with her baby to go. May all your Christmas wishes come true. But Papa Panoff was beginning to wonder if his very special Christmas wish would come true. Perhaps he had missed his visitor. He looked anxiously up and down the street. There were plenty of people about, but they were all faces that he recognized. There were neighbors going to call on their families. They nodded and smiled and wished him a happy Christmas. And there were beggars. Papa Panov hurried indoors to fetch them some hot soup and a generous hunk of bread, hurrying out again in case he missed his important stranger. All too soon, the winter dusk fell. When Papa Panov next went to the door and strained his eyes, he could no longer make out passers-by. Most were home and indoors by now anyway. He walked slowly back into his room at last, put up the shutters, and sat down wearily in his armchair. So it had been just a dream after all. Jesus had not come. Then all at once, he knew he was no longer alone in the room. There was not a dream because he was wide awake. At first he seemed to see before his eyes the long stream of people who had come to him that day. He saw again the old road sweeper, the young mother and her baby, and the beggars that he'd fed. As they passed, each whispered, Didn't you see me, Papa Panoff? Who are you? He called out, bewildered. Then another voice answered him. It was the voice from his dream, the voice of Jesus. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was cold, and you warmed me. I came to you today, and every one of those you helped and welcomed. Then all was quiet and still, only the sound of the big clock 
ticking. A great peace and happiness seemed to fill the room, overflowing Papa Panoff's heart until he wanted to burst out singing and laughing and dancing with joy. So he did come, after all, was all that he said. The words of Matthew's Gospel confirmed for Papa Panoff that Christ had indeed come. And they declare for us what's next on this Sunday after Christmas. This text is the only description of the last judgment in the New Testament. But there is nothing in it about ecclesiastical connections or religious practices. There's not a word in this passage about theology, creeds, or orthodoxies. There's only one criterion here, and that is whether or not we see Jesus Christ in the face of the needy, and whether or not we give ourselves away in love in his name. Christ came to us in the past. Christ comes to us in the present, and Christ will come again in the future. No one knows how and when this will happen. And in the meantime, Jesus has told us what to do in profound, radical words. When you do it to one of the least of these, my family, you do it to me. Not just the certifiably hungry and truly deserving, the sick, the hungry, the homeless, the oppressed, the imprisoned, the only criterion that Jesus set was the least of these, which means those who are weak and vulnerable, the little ones, particularly the small ones, the children. So what you and I can do and are called to do is not to ignore and overlook, but to look into a human face and there to see the face of Jesus Christ. So we continue to celebrate Christmas today and all year long. God is here. The God of Jesus, the God of the Bible, our God, is not a remote supreme being on a throne up there above the clouds or out there somewhere in the mysterious reaches of the universe. At Christmas, we remember that God is here in the messiness and ambiguity of human life, and particularly in our neighbors, the ones who need us. Want to see the face of God? Look into the face of one of the least of these and know that God came in human form to redeem us and to give us the gift of life, true, deep, authentic human life. God in Christ wants to save us by touching our hearts with love. God wants to save us by persuading us to care and to see other human beings who need us. God wants to save us from obsessing about ourselves and our own needs by persuading us to forget about ourselves and to worry about others. God came to earth in Jesus to teach you and me the fundamental lesson 
the secret, the truth of life, that to love is to live. May it be so.